Dave D'Agostino has us bringing some soul to our intro music. Uh, welcome to the Man on Second Podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Forsaro, joined by co-host slash producer uh, Dave D'Agostino. Our mission, as always, on the channel is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. We're going to do that and much more because we're going to kind of touch on a lot of different topics, high school football, World Series, uh, NILs. We're going to be we're going to talk about media. And with that, with my good friend, Andre Fernandez, who is the deputy sports editor at the Miami Herald, we're going to get Andre's thoughts. Andre's kind of a jack of all trades. He, he's covered everything. So we're going to kind of be very flexible in this podcast. But before we get to Andre, I'm going to bring in Dave with some announcements. Dave, welcome. Yeah, th- thanks, Joe and Andre. Glad to have you. You got a little college football on that repertoire, Andre? Yes, yes, I do. Well, I may bring <laughs> that today. I'm, I'm hyped on that today after the polls came out. But nice. uh, before we start, just want to thank two different groups. First, our, our faithful subscribers, 55,000 and growing grassroots MLB front offices, 74 countries now. Thanks for getting us on iHeartRadio. Make sure after this podcast, give Joe five stars on whatever network you stream it on. But if you can do iHeart Force, that'd be great. Let them know they made the right choice on their powerful podcast network. Uh, if you write some comments, that'll be even better. Helps us battle the analytics of the podcast world, much like they do in Major League Baseball. Also, thank you to our newest, our very first sponsor. Now we just opened it up this week to sponsorships, Blackout Coffee. Um, their slogan is, be awake, not woke. So a uh, very, very catchy slogan for them right there. So we uh, we have a special deal for our audience members and our, our followers. 20% off on any purchase at checkout. If you just put the code in David, D-A-V-I-D, and the number 20. Wanted to make it easy for you guys. My first name, David, number 20. You get 20% off uh, at checkout right there. And that's just a thank you for the work you've done for us the last year. So with that, Joe, I'll let you get to Andre. Uh, first, David, uh, Dave, it's uh, David all caps, right? Just it so is. That David's all caps on there. That's important. Thank you, Joe, for that. Yeah, David, yeah. the number 20. Yes, and we welcome our, our sponsors as we grow this network. Um, background on Andre Fernandez. For one, he's one of my my best friends here um, in the industry and just one of the, the really good people in the, and a guy who does it right, who's a, a jack of all trades. And, and Andre, uh, his background, he uh, is a long time with the Miami Herald uh, covering a, an array of sports. Uh, he worked at The Athletic for a little while. He worked at the Tallahassee Democrat for a little while, covering some Florida State football, uh, then returned back to Miami. And uh, and among my uh, repertoire of what I do, uh, I do a little freelance for the Miami Herald. So it's a good little plug. We're going to talk a little bit of high school football. And uh, everyone, you know, everyone check out Andre's work and everybody's work over at the Miami Herald, uh, which does a great job in, a, in an industry. We're going to talk about journalism, sports journalism specifically, but we're, we're going to bounce around, like I said. But I kind of want to start off 
World Series, it's, it's hot and heavy. It's kind of winding down. Uh, you know, the, the Rangers have taken the commanding lead as we record this, which is on a Wednesday morning before Game 5. So uh, we'll see if the Rangers clinch against the Diamondbacks, uh, a team that obviously I have personal rooting interest in because of my son. But uh, part of my um, experience, and Andre knows this too because I do a lot of freelance stuff, uh, and a year ago specifically, I did a lot of Texas Ranger games. So I'm very familiar with them. I know how really good they are, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, Andre, welcome. How you doing, buddy? Thanks, Joe. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And at the same time, I feel honored because I, I heard about some of the guests, and I've heard some of the guests that you've had on this show. And you know, some of them are Hall of Famers. I, I feel small compared to some of this guest list. It's like a little bit to live up to here. I'm on the, I'm on the, I hope to keep the standard well here. Uh, you, you, you certainly will, because we are real voices of the game and, and we are grassroots and, and you know, everyone kind of has a good story to tell. Uh, Andre, yeah. what's kind of your, you know, I know baseball this year, uh, they did expanded the playoffs. And admittingly, I was I was a little concerned, as many, did was 12 teams too many? Did they water down the product too much? Diamondbacks had 84 wins. Like Rangers had about 88, 89, a little more respectable in terms of the regular season. But I think, you know, in terms of the quality of play, the the two teams in the World Series have lived up to their end because they played exciting team baseball, a lot of, you know, new faces to, to the national audience. So I think it kind of, baseball kind of it worked out, and I'm glad for it that it wasn't like teams that just kind of snuck in and got bounced early or the quality of play is really bad. Uh, just kind of your thoughts on, on how you see this uh, this sport right now. Yeah, it's, it's funny how sometimes that happens in baseball. Like it'll just work itself out, even though it just, you know, they're always tinkering. They're always trying to make the game a little different, maybe a little more appealing to the viewer. And I thought for once, even before the the, the playoff expansion, I, saw, I thought some of the rule changes were good in terms of you've seen how this year, a lot more base stealing, a lot more strategy that came back to the game. It felt like it was missing for a few years, you know, the limitations on shifting and so forth. And now you talk about the playoff expansion. I was with, I was with you. I, I thought they watered it down way too much. I mean, as someone who, you know, covered the Marlins for many years and also now, you know, keeps an eye on them, even if I don't cover them regularly like I used to, but still day to day, I'm on top of what, what's going on with them and felt like where they, they ended up getting the second wild card after all. But for a long time, we thought they were going to be just in just because of that extra spot. And now when you look at it, you see them bounce in two games and you're thinking, okay, there you go. It's watered down. But no, you have two amazing stories with what the Rangers have done. And even if the Rangers finish off the Diamondbacks, what the Diamondbacks have done as well. I mean, Joe, you and I talk all the time, you know, because of the connection you have with your son being out there. And, you know, this team where they both of these teams, really, but where they were two years ago to come around this quickly and rebuild this fast. And and they're really not fluky uh, playoff runs, I think. I think these are legitimate performances legitimate results that they're putting together and it's really remarkable to see two rebuilds go this well and then yeah like you said it makes baseball look good because their 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 opinion is okay you see now this is why we have the wild card this is why we have the extra wild card on top of that to give teams that you know maybe during the season aren't quite built for the marathon as well but maybe in a, in a setting like this can get hot can get exciting and potentially win a world series and Really, I mean, you're seeing the evidence right now. I mean, it, it, and you never know. Maybe as we're recording this, it's three-one in the series. Maybe Arizona still has a little fight left in them. Maybe they push this series a little longer. We'll see. 
But regardless, it's been a fun playoff because of it. Yeah, I mean, if, if Arizona, the one thing they have going for them is Zach Allen in game five. And if they were to win game five and go back to Texas, Merrill Kelly in game six. So they, they would be throwing their top two. Uh, you know, the, the Rangers are dealing a little bit with some injuries with uh, Adolis Garcia, uh, Max Scherzer, who, uh, you know, you know, so it, it could be if the Dimebacks get somehow extended. But obviously they got to get hot against a team that just thumps. And, you know, the, the thing about it, like I was saying, Last year for one of the freelance, uh, you know, companies I worked for, I was on the Rangers a lot. And and I did like, I was like, yeah, okay, Corey Seager's numbers weren't great, but the shift was back. And, and I think uh, Seager was kind of penalized more than any other player by the shift. So his mm-hmm. numbers might have been, at least batting average, might have a little bit of a skewed last year. I knew Marcus Simeon got off to the horrendous start in 2022. And but I saw him as the year when I'm I'm like this guy is one of the best second basemen in baseball. This guy can flat out hit. And then I saw the emergence of Adolis Garcia, saying this guy's super toolsy, very much you know big time power. Um, Jonah Heim behind the plate, one of the better catchers in the league. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe at first base. Um, and I'm like, you know, this team's got you know like legit guys. You know, they just didn't have the pitching. You know, they they would you know have an eight run lead and blow it in the last three innings. And then they solidified that. They had some injuries, obviously, to Grom, you know, and, you know, some others. Uh, but, you know, they they can really mash. And and as I was watching Corey Seager, and I wasn't even thinking this along, it, it reminded me back in 2003 when the Marlins were playing the Giants in the first round of the playoffs in the NLDS at the time. And Jack McKeon walked Barry Bonds six times in four games. I went and looked that up. And I legitimately in thinking, like last night, I was like, without Garcia in the lineup, I'm basically not going to let Corey Seager with a guy on base beat me. Because mm-hmm. I think he got a circle, guys. I would have walked him. You know, right. and I think I would do that the rest of the series because he is that good right now. Yeah, no, he's killing them right now. He really is. And this team, I mean, it, it will be amazing to see if they could pull this off. You know, well, as soon as I saw what happened with Garcia, I mean, you thought, I mean, I thought Randy Arena had a big playoff run a couple of years ago. This dwarfed it. I mean, this he's been so good in these playoffs. I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the, the kind of power numbers he's putting in this series. And then you lose him. And then you lose Scherzer, too. You know, another one of the reasons, you know, that, that starting, that rotation had, had just bulked up so well to, to give them that complimentary, you know, that, that other side, what they were missing. And now you lose him too. So for, so for them to come out last night and do what they did and drop ten on them right away in the blink of an eye in those in, in the second and third innings, huge. Just there's no words to describe like how huge that was for them to keep going. And now now you're just at the closeout game, which easier said than done sometimes. But you know you're one win away, and you know it is it really is a, a, a strong overall group that they've put together. And you know kudos to them, a, a franchise that might win their first one finally. I mean, we know they were a strike away 10 years ago or however long it's been, 12 years ago, I think, right? That, yeah. How long has it been since Freeze? Yeah. And they, and we'll see if they finally can pull it off. Dave, what, do you, what are you seeing? In the, you know, what has kind of jumped out at you as the series has progressed? Well, you, you have two teams that lost 100 games just a couple of years ago. And I think you're seeing a different, uh, maybe a new model on how to build um, a potential champion in Arizona. They've done it with a low budget. They're doing a lot of homegrown talent, and even though they're down right now, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that can have that's watching that can't say they're, hey, I'm I'm not impressed by what these guys are doing, and they're going to be there for a long time. 
with Texas, you know, they did a little bit of both. They, they bought Seeger, they bought Simeon, they, they bought, you know, they, they, although, you know, Scherzer's not going to be there. They, they bought him too, but you know, you get a kid like Evan Carter in left field. Um, he's my new favorite player. I think he, um, you know, they brought him up at the end of the year and he's never left. He's like a bad house guest. And, you know, I like the way he was signed. He was, uh, he didn't, he didn't appear in any national rankings, uh, you know, and then people miss him. No perfect game, no baseball America, nothing. And uh, was found the old fashioned way by an old bird dog scout in his area. They came down, watched him, signed him. And, you know, two and a half years later, he's batting third for the Rangers in the World Series. And it's a ton of good stories in this this play. I know people were disappointed with the game last night. I was too. I thought it was it was pitiful, the bullpen thing. I hate that. Yeah. But um, I mean, and you can't beat the stories in the playoffs that happened. Even with the, I know the Phillies got knocked off, but the the two skippers for the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, they played together in Lakeland way back when. So I mean, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good baseball. I think we've seen. I, I'm, I'm, I've erased last night out of my memory. I'm not listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like to see. I like Se- Seager's had his coming out party. We we talked about Garcia, but gosh. I think people knew he was good. He's had injuries, but if if he hasn't solidified himself as a top three to four player in the game right now because of this, I don't know what else he's got to do. He's in, and I know Dave will like him on this too. And and Corey has always been kind of a throwback. He's kind of like today's Utley, you know Chase Utley in terms of he doesn't really fraternize and doesn't really say much of anything. It's good. You know, yeah, he did. He gave the bat. He gave the bat flip the other day when he hit the game tying homer and to tie game one in the ninth inning, and that. If you're going to give a bad flip, that's the time to do it. But he, for the most part, just circles the bases. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's vanilla. really he's he's like the vanilla guy, right? He's vanilla ice cream. He doesn't do anything crazy. <laughs> just just uh, does his plays his game. So yeah, yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree. You know, see, to me, the it's really hard unless you're a really dominant team. Game one really hurt Arizona because you can't you can't blow saves in a in the World Series because you only can. You know, you have four four games, so now you essentially right. have to win five games. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Have to put yourself in that position to close out five games, and obviously it does happen. Uh, but then when you lose, I thought the key was what uh, you know, game three, when you you get uh, Brandon Fott throwing a fine game, gave up three runs, but pitch a really good game. You give up three runs to Texas with with Fott, and then a bullpen game to follow. You need to win that game. Their offense for Arizona just didn't get it done. And, um, you know, that to me was where it flipped in my mind where I'm like, eh, it's going to be a little hard. You know, this client's going to be a little harder because you just knowing a bullpen game, you know a bullpen game could look like yesterday. You hope it doesn't, you know, you, for in terms of the quality of the game, you don't want to see two five spots in, in back-to-back innings. If there was any saving grace, a lot of people were probably trick or treating last night anyway, and you know you, you didn't really feel like you were missing much. But you know, I again that that's just my observation there. Um, uh, Andre, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know that's it's unfortunate when you look at it. I mean, other than Rangers fans loving it, but you're right, and at least it landed on a night like last night where maybe you might have lost some viewership anyway just because of the day it was. But you know, I, but overall, I think you know you've had games in this in the in this postseason that have really lived up to it have really provided a lot of excitement and like you were saying before i mean i think the they they ended up looking good after all when they added this uh playoff because i i was with you i did not like i thought it watered down too much i thought you know why are we doing this you know 
I did like, like I said before, I did like the rule changes to the game specifically, but not the extra spots. But now they've got ammunition to keep it that way, I guess. I mean, well, once they expand, you're not going to go back, but for starters. But, yeah. So yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're here with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what the, the numbers are. I didn't look. I can't imagine the, the ratings are super great uh, for the the World Series. But, you know, keep that in mind. It's, they jumped on the Fox, so it has the national, while FS1 doesn't have the reach anyway. But right. uh, but baseball doesn't have 70 million fans come through the turnstiles, which we saw a bump in Miami compared to others. Not great, but because the Marlins got in, obviously a bump in Arizona. Uh, you're not drawing 70 million fans without without 12 teams in. So from a business standpoint, I get it. And uh, again, it, it, it didn't blow up in baseball's uh, faces for this one. But let, let's kind of change gears. Let's talk a little bit about media and, and coverage and, the, and the, how it's evolved and and Dre, how do, how do you kind of, you know, as being an editor, how do you, you know, you're you're down at the Miami Herald and, you know, you, you're juggling a lot of sports, you know, how are, you know, you kind of, you know, focusing, obviously we, we love the Dolphins down here in Miami, University of Miami is, is resurging on the football field um, and, and then the heat starting and we know the Marlins have always been kind of a hard sell here. How do you, how you, you as an editor go about coverage? Well, it's it's really a juggling act because you're trying to you're trying to keep your audience, you're trying to keep, you know, gain more audience obviously with not just in, in terms of clicks to your website and but subscriptions have become the biggest, you know, one of the biggest uh, results that you need to have. And that part it's interesting because like you you said all those teams and I think one of the biggest jolts that we've had in terms of having to change our coverage a little bit this summer was Lionel Messi coming down yeah. to Miami with Inter Miami. I mean, that's, that is about as radical a change as you're going to find uh, to a team and to a league. And it quickly went from, I don't want to call it a backwater beat per se for us, but it was definitely on the, like lower on the totem pole for sure behind a lot of those teams you mentioned. And all of a sudden, Almost overnight, we our, our approach was this beats as important as the Dolphins now, because you ha- we we started to, to have subscribers or or viewers or you know readers from all over the world. I mean, even from even from like small countries that were emailing our writer Michelle Kaufman and you know trying to get every kind of coverage. So suddenly we had to reshape what we were doing to to take advantage of this and mainly because you know as you know not just our outlet but many now we're just we're trying to survive and just the way that the industry has changed and the newspaper itself is dying out we're becoming more of a website now than anything and suddenly it was like something like this happens where you have i mean i can't even even if i say this is like lebron coming to the worst team in the league that still might not even do it justice of what it's like if Jordan would have gone to the Clippers back in the day when they were awful. And then, yeah. and suddenly, I mean, LA is a big market and Miami is too, but just that jolt, just, it was suddenly like, Oh my God, like he's going to be here. Every little thing had to be covered and has to be covered. It's, it's been an ongoing thing. Even now that the season's over, it's still driving traffic, any little thing on or off the field. So it's really a juggling act because you want to keep the readers that, you have some readers, obviously, that care about everything, but you have some, obviously, that are specific fans to each team. So you want to do right by the Dolphins. You want to do right by the readers of the Canes, the readers of the Heat, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, 
you have to strategize to what's going to attract the most. But at the same time, there's that balance too, and you have your 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 ethical or your the way you were brought up in journalism to you know get the good story be accurate do all of that stuff but don't obviously don't go only for stuff that's sensational but also cover a team right cover it the right way you know keep keep it at a standard that you'd like to do so really it's like a juggling act to do all of that and at the same time try to you know capitalize on any opportunity you can to keep the the out the, the media outlet you're with in this case us with the herald thriving yeah, and those are some really good points, Andre, and, and stuff I think our audience needs to kind of hear from the profession as it's kind of evolving to being personality driven. We're seeing the, you know, the Pat McAfee is the former player who becomes like a, owns a media company and is on ESPN. Yeah. And he's got the, you know, $100 million, whatever ESPN's paying him. And, but he's still not a, you know, dying a wool journalist. You know, yeah, he might be able to do an interview. But there are certain things in ethics and and how to, you know, kind of rationalize, to prioritize that uh, is so, so important to do. Uh, you know, kind of talk a little bit about with, with Messe on that, because obviously you put his name in a headline. It doesn't matter what he does. It reminds me when I first moved down here at the Tampa Tribune, which doesn't even exist anymore. When they moved me down to South Florida, it was initially to do like the Dolphins, the Canes and the Marlins were very young at the time. And, uh, you know, was to do that. And and then I just remember Marino was, you know, Dan Marino was there. And pretty much, if you can, you write about Dan Marino. You know, right. if he gives you any reason, you write about Dan Marino. Uh, you know, and that's just kind of it, the way it is, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we were fortunate in our case that we had someone like Michelle that, you know, has tons of experience covering soccer at the international level and every level pretty much. And, but yeah, I mean, she... She had to kind of also, I mean, she was the only one. I remember when, when that team started, I mean, until now, pretty much, she's pretty much been one of only two, maybe three quote unquote beat writers and, and probably from a major outlet, only maybe like two or so. And all of a sudden it was like the Super Bowl every day out there for her. Like you had all this, you know, media from Argentina, from Spain, from everywhere. And she had to adjust to that. But I think what you're talking about, I think it's all it's perspective too. I think I, I, I want to. I think you make a good point that I think I do want to tell people listening to this is you have to nowadays. It's it's unfortunate that in our business sometimes we have to cover stuff kind of on on the cheap, and then you don't get the same quality of coverage. And I think readers sometimes, through no fault of their own, maybe even younger readers, I would say don't realize sometimes and they get kind of sold on the like what you were talking about before the the quick and sensational stuff instead of the stuff that has real substance and in the, it's it's a shame that sometimes because of budget cuts and constraints sometimes we don't have people that have experience as much properly covering teams and that's why i say we were fortunate that this kind of a phenomenon happened on a beat where we did have someone like that but not a lot of publications not a lot of outlets do unfortunately and sometimes they have to do what they can and you know get as you know get the best possible quality they can and, and a lot of times you don't so and and we've talked about that a ton like on the baseball beats we've seen it how you don't have it doesn't have to be always someone that's covered a team 30 35 years or whatever but you do want to have someone that can give the perspective when stump when something happens or when what things mean for a team you know, not just, you know, whatever 
you know, slap the person's name on the headline, like you said, and, and be done with it. You know, you want to give them. And that's that's the challenge that a lot of us are facing in this industry right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And well noted, uh, Michelle Kaufman, with what, 30 plus years of experience, probably at the, the, yeah. at the Herald and a very acclaimed writer uh, that she could handle because it's not easy to handle a superstar and, and do justice to the coverage. So, yeah. um, you know, very, very true st- statements. Dave, uh, jump in with, you know, with your kids. Are they star driven? What what kind of gravitates them to the sports they they follow? And you know, how do you kind of see the uh, you know you're seeing the eyes of teenagers or kids that are getting to be teenagers? And what kind of moves the needle for them? Yeah, and I was going to kind of pose the same thing at you guys. So either one of you jump in with uh, a counterbalance because I, I like how you pose the question to Dre and the answer. There's that that balance now in the media between influence and excellence. And uh, well made with with McAfee there. I've tried to get our guys who wear tank tops on the air. Nobody will do it, so we've stayed <laughs> audio only. <laughs> and that's probably why we grow in listenership too. But uh, yeah, my my children uh, not star driven um, in that regard. Um, they're much more interested in forming their own opinions. We we homeschool our kids, and part of the homeschool is high agency first principle, meaning you got to figure stuff out. And first principle, meaning it's hard in today's input world. I want them to have original thoughts and ideas. And uh, Tanner was the one that brought Evan Carter to my attention because I, I knew a little about him. I just saw he was hitting third, thought he'd be a flash in the pan. And he did some some research for me, and he liked him. He goes, yeah, I don't I don't find him anywhere. And he watched his game. And, you know, I, I, we try to get them to have their own opinions. Now, of course, in today's world, they're going to. They're going to come with the sensational. I got the, this morning, you know, James Harden was traded to the Clippers and, you know, he was a cancer to, you know, all the stuff that whatever they're throwing out there, those 10 words, they get that in. And I was like, Gee, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like uh, you had a little dose of Colin Cowherd this morning. And um, so try to try to force them to have their own opinions a little bit. Yeah, but not star driven by any means. I think, you know, baseball wise, my older son, honestly, and we tease him a lot. We try to, when we, we, he doesn't watch sports a lot. He loves to play. And I always tease him when he goes out. I said, now, Tanner, tell him a baseball player in case somebody asks him who his favorite player is. And here you're talking about a six-foot-one switch-hitting shortstop who pitches and runs like a deer. Isn't, isn't that impressed by, uh, by, that, by that type of stuff? So if, if you show him a scientist, oh, he'll be all over that stuff. So, um, and the daughter, same thing. They, you know, they can name a couple star players, but uh, you know, they're, they're more into, uh, they're into each other. They're into... You know, I really draw on their own opinions, which we're trying to keep it that way. But it's hard. Now they don't have any social media, so that's probably why we're we're able to do that now. But uh, anyway, yeah, and that's kind of a balance for you guys in your professions, Joe. You've been in it for a lifetime, and Dre, you too. How do you how do you balance that? Not just personally, but professionally. How do you decide? Hey, we've got to sell papers. You know, this is clickbait, or you know, do we just say, you know what? Nope, I'm going to do uh, the story. It's the right story. It's the way it should be done. How, how do you battle that? Uh, I, I, and myself, I call it, I have a, a heavy dose of self-righteous indignation where I, I'm going to do it that way because that's the way it's supposed to be done. How do you guys balance that? Dre, I'll take it first. Um, yeah. you know, going back to the heyday when I was at the Tampa, excuse me, not Tampa Tribune, MLB.com, going back to the Tampa Tribune, we did actually operate that way too, where, you know, I was on the buck beat, uh, when Vinny Testaverde was there, they, didn't win a lot, but uh, uh, but pretty much we would, if we get a story on Vinny, we, we would do that. Obviously, you do go for the bigger names. And it, it kind of filtered over into MLB.com, which 
you know, when you think about it, it's a league website, but we were, you know, the individual teams had their own beat writers, which were, I'm not sure people realize this, but the league hires the beat writers. It's not the team. So they, it's kind of an interesting spot that MLB.com beat writer is in because they are working for MLBs, but a division that's a, you know, a media wing of them. Uh, so it's not like the commissioner is like, you know, making the assignments, but you're also covering the team. So you're kind of, you know, having to juggle that. But I know when I was with the Mar, you know, on the Marlins every day, uh, John Carroll Stanton, so, you know, you just hope that he would hit 59 homers like he did in 2017 and win the MVP uh, because that kind of, you know, helps you out. You got the star player performing at an MVP level, you know, on the brink of trying to hit 60 homers. That makes it easy. But you also, you know, try to tell the story and the narrative of the of the team in the season. And sometimes and a lot of times they're the unsung heroes, the, the reliever or the, the role player. Uh, but you, you try to kind of, at least I did, you kind of focused on on the more of the big ticket items or, you know, why is D. Gordon hitting 330 and winning the batting title? And and why is, you know, you know, Jose Fernandez, you know, God rest his soul. But when he was dominating in those three, four years, you know, what was making his slider so much better and his whole persona and his fearlessness and his story so much better. Those were the obvious ones that, that we went for because those moved the needle. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And I, I think um, the, the part there, like you said about Stanton was, he was, a, he was always money. Like it was always anything you could write about him in that sense. You could now when an athlete, Obviously not Stanton because Stanton has been, you know, pretty much clean as a whistle. But some athletes, you know, sometimes they get in trouble and, you know, they might have, you know, like, you know, could get arrested or something like that. Can you guys hear me okay? Dave, you got him? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. No, no. Uh, I, I was saying, like, if, if a player of that caliber, let's say they got arrested or something like that, you try to also cover that story without sensationalizing it as well, but you have to kind of address it and you have to cover it. And I think sometimes that is one of those things where maybe some outlets might shy away from that just because it's not all nice and fluffy or whatever. But that's where I go back to, you know, perspective and covering the beat right and that sort of thing. So you have that, you know, that responsibility to, you know, report the news and whatnot. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think it's, it's also it's it's challenging, but I, I'm of the opinion like I, I don't like selling out, you know, whether you call it clickbait or whatever, or overcovering people just because they're the ones that sell. So like right now, for for a while, that, that was a big challenge on the Marlins beat when you like when they were rebuilding, like in 2018, 2019. And you basically had to sell hope, like <laughs> to call it the funny way. It's like the only thing that like you tried to write about a lot of these prospects coming up and the potential that they had, that sort of thing, you know, but even right now, maybe not, maybe now it was a little easier with this playoff run they just had. But I remember I work with our, our beat writer, Jordan McPherson all the time. Jazz Chisholm is one of those guys, you know, it's when, when Sixto Sanchez was pitching, he was one of those guys. Like you, you didn't need to oversell it. People were interested in everything they were doing, but like I told, like I always tell Jordan, I'm like, you can't write about Jazz and Sixto every single night. You have to cover this team. So again, it's that responsibility of, yes, if you find anything interesting that's worth it, 
that you're not forcing it. Don't force it. But yes, if you can write about those guys, great. That's awesome. But you also have to cover the team. You also have to look for what's the most important angle on a certain night. If um, what was the most important thing that happened on a particular game or, or a trend you're seeing with the team that's happening, that's important, that sort of thing. So again, that's that balancing act I keep talking about nowadays when you're covering one of these teams. So I'm, to answer the question that Dave said, yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I'd rather stay, I'd rather not oversell or, or, or sell out, I guess you could say. But I understand the challenge, especially not like Messi, going back to Messi. I mean, it was like Michelle would even say, and we're talking about a professional, like you said, that she's done it now 35 years or so. Even she felt the pressure of, can I write about another person? Can I, you know, she had these great stories about these young players on Inter Miami, but she's like, but are they going to tell me something? Or are my, you know, are the big wigs going to say something if I don't write enough about Messi? So it's like, yeah. So how do you balance that sort of thing? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And, yeah. um, you know, so it's it's the fun stuff. But I tell you, let, let's switch gears again because uh, we like to be fluid here. Because uh, yeah. I think it's the most untapped and the most interesting space uh, in journalism now. And, and Andre and I uh, are quite invested in it, is the high school level. And, yeah. and since it's football season, you know, when we have Andre back, probably in baseball season, we could talk about high school baseball. But we have a maybe as among the most fertile and, and best high school football in the country right here in South Florida. Yeah. And they, you know, I've told this on air too, those kids have made me feel welcome to come and, and cover them, which has really kind of re-energized me as someone in my sixties to, to go out and, and cover <laughs> high school football because these kids are making it fun and, and their stories are really good. And then when we see one of our players like American Heritage uh, alum Mark Fletcher, who we saw play in the state championship game uh, a year ago, scoring a winning touchdown in overtime for the University of Miami. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. You know, it's like, welcome to my world. Yeah. yeah, welcome to my world for the past 15, 20 years, John. <laughs> but talk about that because I think, you know, there, there are a lot of, you know, younger people listen to this, to these podcasts. And just kind of the, the exposure and in, in, in young journalists, too. They asked me, I see some of these young kids uh, in high school and, and just out of college, you know, trying to break into the industry. How do you see the, the coverage of high school football? Yeah, I mean, that's I I started out that way. That was my first uh, opportunity in this business was covering high schools and covering high school football, particularly, like you said, down here. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you have guys all over the NFL pretty much all over D1 football and other levels. Every every Saturday and Sunday, you could spot someone from Dater Broward playing on TV. I mean, it's it, and not just one, like several, on, on, even on the same team sometimes. And, yeah, that little ping of pride that you that you mentioned with Fletcher, I have it now with Ruben Bain. I mean, Ruben no, Bain, I read no doubt. what yeah. the kind of season he's having for UM, but there's others too. I mean, all, all over, the, like we were talking about. Yeah, I. it's a shame that I think sometimes and – not to get myself maybe in trouble or so with the Herald, but I've had my battles there too to kind of tell them this is important. And the irony is that, like I was saying before about subscriptions, there's no better beat right now for subscriptions than that. You're When you're covering one of these athletes and their mom, their dad, their uncle, their cousin, whoever, is going to subscribe to the paper a lot more, or, the, or I shouldn't say the paper, but the, the overall media outlet way more than they will for a Dolphin story or for a Marlin story or whatever. 
And so it's, it's obvious that needs to be covered. It may seem small on the surface compared to the others. And I think that's something that we realized at the Herald in recent years. And there's been a little better approach, I think, to it because of that. Because in the past, they thought of it only as clicks. And that's not a fair fight. They're never gonna, you're never going to have a grassroots level beat like that get clicks the way that a, a pro football or some or other beat does. So they kind of realized that in recent years. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're only covered really by these outlets like we do, you know, and, and there's some websites that are trying, but I go back to the quality where you can really highlight some of these kids and then you're making a difference in their lives at that, at that age, you know, you're kind of seeing that part of it too, where this is, they're not going to forget this. I mean, I don't know how many times, I've had guys that still, you know, well, you've seen it, Joe, on the sideline when you've been covering the same game with me. Guy who's played pro maybe comes back and they still remember, like a Duke Johnson might come up and say what's up and, and Teddy Bridgewater every time he sees me and stuff like that. Why? Because when he when Teddy was at Northwestern as a sophomore, I, I wrote some stories about him before anyone else did. And, you know, same with Duke, you know, before even before he when he was still Randy Johnson and not Duke Johnson. I was writing about that, about him in the, you know, when he was at Norland, stuff like that. So, I mean, you'd get, it's important, I think, for the community and to build those relationships. And it's really the most rewarding beat out there. And I think you, you touched on that right now when you see kind of the reception and kind of the way, and you had a, you had a, a, a response that, that I thought was really cool the other day when a parent came up to you and said, you know, they were talking about the show that I do the, uh, with the Herald, uh, the, the, the Titletown South Florida show that you've been a guest on and, and, and helped me with that one, you know, the, the guy, the parent talked to you about how cool it was to see their kid and they, they were very grateful. So you like no other beat that is important, I think, because of that kind of relationship, you can build the community and with papers like us trying to be more and more local, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and great points. And, and just so people know among the many hats I wear, uh, I do freelance stuff for the Miami Herald. I do a lot of freelance stuff for SB live, uh, scorebook live and encourage everyone to check these websites out. And, and a word I'm going to throw out Andre, and I think what makes it work is it's authentic. And yeah. I think that once you're, you're there, I mean, when, you know, look, I, could retire and I am retired, but I could just stay home. But I'm walking the sidelines, you know, on a high school football game and having a lot of fun doing it. And just to be doing that, you know, on a Thursday or a Friday night or both is just, you know, why I'm doing it is the reward of, hey, look, th these kids are the next wave and and this is the future. And, and in my own small way, you know, if uh, – so many young reporters or whatever see my work and it influences them in a certain way, you know, that's rewarding to me. And as well as, as you note, uh, the gentleman you're talking about is Brandon Bennett's father. Brandon Bennett is one of the wide receivers at American heritage plantation. The kid is like an elite, like, like Olympic track yeah. type speedster. And I was going to one of his games and Andre and I, we, we talked about him on Andre's podcast. And we were just talking about him and, and others. And his father saw me like going to the next game and stopped me and just, you know, thanked me for the exposure. And he said that he, he copied that, that um, podcast and sent it to everyone he knows. So I think there's an authenticity there. Dave, just yeah. kind of your thoughts on the grassroots. I agree. I, I think we've had evidence of that on your show 
one of our highest rated shows was we had the young man on that you, you happened oh, on. Week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just great, great episode, but also the outpour afterwards. And it got, it's still going where their family supportive of the stuff that we're doing on the network and update, uh, whether it's social media or by email text. I mean, just th- that type of stuff matters. And I think, I hope the pendulum is swinging back to what you guys are talking about because the world's, it's, we're in a global world right now. I mean, everything is, you know, country to country with a click. And I think when that happens, the power now goes back to the city. And I think that that's what you guys are about. You're bringing, you're bringing power back to your, your cities there. So, um, I, I see, I see it the same as you. Andre, go ahead. You had, you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, uh, it was something like what Joe said that, that, you know, resonated that he said how, you know, he's, re- he's re- semi, I, I, I think he's like, he's like the Don in the Godfather. He's semi-retired, but not completely retired. He's still working. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, I, my job description, I don't have to do, I don't have to put one hour. I'm not required to put one hour of work into the high schools in, in, on any given week. I, like there's no one at the Herald that's telling me, Hey, you got to go cover this. You got to cover it. I do it because I like it. I do it because I feel like it needs to be covered. No one else is going to do it if I don't do it. And it's rewarding. And it's just to echo that thought that, that I've done it. I, I, it was what I started doing for many years. And now since I came back to the Herald two years ago, I really wanted to to recharge it again and to, and, you know, and not just because it sells subscriptions. I mean, that's all great, obviously, and it's necessary, but because I feel like it should be covered and it should be covered the right way. And, and unfortunately, we have limited resources compared to the old days, but we have to I do everything I can to keep it going and keep it going strong for that reason. So that one mention means a lot though. I, I put, I do a post every morning as part of our podcast. We get probably, I don't know, 700 plus DMS into the box. So I'll respond to everybody, you know, not, not a ton, but everybody will get something back. But I do one question live on Facebook and on one of the questions, I can't remember what the question was, but it required to put a picture of me as a young kid with my dad and it happened to be a, a newspaper article, old school newspaper, black and white picture, me uh, posing, shooting a basketball with my NBA and Pepsi shirt on. I had, I was, I won the New York state championship and got to the nationals, getting ready to go to LA to shoot at halftime of a Laker game. And I was 12, 13 years old. But as I put that out there, it was, it was to the, the audience that we have, but I got so many people f- that I grew up with, uh, whether it was mothers and fathers or the, the guys I grew up with or the, the girls that said that. I remember that picture. I had that on my refrigerator my entire youth. So people act, so outside of the families that it means it to, this is something, I'm 50. So that picture was <laughs> almost 40 years old. And uh, people remembering having that and, and remembering that as a part of their time, part of growing up, part of family, part of community. So I, I think what you guys do, it, it, it resonates uh, with people and it's, it's it maybe more than you even know. No, yeah. definitely. I've had that, that, I've had thousands of those stories over the years where somebody tells that to me. And then now Joe and I, were, we've seen kids that three years, four years from now, they're going to be in the NFL, like the kid at Shaman, Jeremiah Smith, and the old Brandon Bennett that you mentioned before. I mean, and then we'll see it again, probably. Who knows? Yeah, Reuben Bain, who was at Miami Central, the great freshman defensive lineman for the for the Hurricanes. I was watching him. I think it was a game that either Fletch, because the Canes are playing back-to-back overtime, so I can't remember which one. But I think it was the first one uh, and when he just, like, blew up the play at the goal line and, and forced him to kick a field goal, and the Canes won, I think, with a touchdown. And then to see uh, 
of Mark Fletcher, the really good freshman running back from American Heritage. The irony that those two faced each other in the state championship game on a different teams are now teammates. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's just their, their stories need to be told. And, and the thing about it is they're great kids. They're really good kids. And, and that's why I enjoy whatever they exposure. If, if anything, I could, you know, get their name out. Uh, that's rewarding to me right now. Uh, want to uh, shift gears, Dave? Talk to him about the Canes. What do you want to want to ask college football? Well, I I had a. Uh, I'm sure you guys caught the first college football rankings. What what's your thoughts on that, Andre? The format, you know, it's it's they they, they keep they changed it from year to year. Now they've got ads judging it, and uh, I don't know that the first one matters so much. But I walked away. Last night, I was like, oh, I just shook my head. So, so many, um, uh, what would you say? Were they con- so many contradictions in terms of how they, how they decided uh, the rankings. But what are your thoughts on that from a media? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first one, like you said, I mean, we're, it's going to change a few different ways between now and the one that really matters. But I, I didn't have, honestly, I didn't really have that much of a problem. I was a little surprised that I, I, I kept thinking in the recent weeks, that FSU, despite being fourth, might slip behind Washington and maybe they were going to get pushed out and be the fifth team. So I was a little surprised they didn't put the Huskies at, at four right now. But I'm not, you know, at the same time, I still believe FSU, despite maybe any knocks they might have on a ske- as far as the schedule goes so far, I still think they're a legit team. I think they've gotten, from, from someone who covered them two years ago when they were just starting to build it up to now, they have legit talent on that team. They're deep. This is the deepest FSU team they've had probably since Jameis Winston, and they won it all 10 years ago. And it's a team that, at least to this point in the season, would deserve a shot among the teams that are there to, to get the fourth. We'll see how it goes these next few weeks if they can take care of business. But at the top, I really didn't have that much of a – you know, I see the Ohio State with the strength of schedule. Yeah. But, again – Probably at the end of the day, Georgia might still probably is still the best team, and I think that'll just sort itself out because I think at the end, Michigan hasn't played. Michigan's very good, but they haven't played anybody yet. But they will play Ohio State and Penn State over the next few weeks, so that'll be the barometer there. That'll we'll see what happens if they play their way in. So, yeah, I think I didn't really have that much of a issue with the first the first four, I guess you could call it, and you know because eventually it's going to work itself out. Yeah, I think mine was more with the, uh, you know, like, so the Ohio State, uh, Georgia, Michigan, th- those three. It yeah. was obvious they said strength of schedule, which which makes sense. So I can, I can buy into that because that will sort itself out. And then, like you mentioned, Florida State, Washington. You know, Florida State has a big win against LSU. Washington beat Oregon. Oregon's ranked higher. So did strength of schedule weigh in there? Or was it more recency bias where they watch Florida State you know, pummel somebody on, on Saturday in Washington state really struggled the last two weekends. Um, yeah. so then I looked at the, 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 the next three was got what Texas, um, Alabama, Alabama, Oklahoma, you know, like, okay, those now they've, it's like they lumped the, the no loss teams. Then they did the one loss teams and they put the two loss teams and then they just threw air, air force and, and Tulane a bone at the end. Um, <laughs> to kind of make, yeah. but the one loss teams now here, this is my biggest issue. And I'm sorry, I'm venting here. I got to see a therapist probably for this, but the one loss teams to me, head to head matters still. Um, but so Texas 
beat Alabama. Um, Oklahoma beat Texas. And then Alabama, um, you know, obviously they beat Ole Miss, who was behind them. But, you know, they could have very easily, I guess I guess my equilibrium wasn't at the priority for them last night when they did it. But if they put Oklahoma above Texas, then it kind of goes head-to-head, fits itself. But, yeah, I, I, uh, when I, the first word I had I got asked, I got brought on a podcast. I'm like, what do you think of the, the, uh, the, the poll or the uh, rankings? I said, I thought the selection was arrogant. They had these ADs sitting up in these great hotels, back and forth, back and forth. All they did was put the no-loss teams first whatever, one loss, two loss. It took no thought whatsoever. Um, yeah. I uh, laugh at the fact that they these guys are making a ton of money off of the success of these teams, and they're in charge of the rankings, the ADs. That's the part I can't get over. Yeah, this uh, I got a thought here because it's kind of funny. I think that Georgia now, there's a Georgia fatigue. Oh, they won too much, so we're going to find that they, uh, they scraped by someone. But they completely just annihilated Florida, and they might be getting hot at the right time. So that's the time they they say their strength of schedule doesn't matter. The two straight national titles and the undefeated streak, uh, you know, unbeaten streak is uh, means that they're better player too. Yeah, yeah, they're still undefeated. And and then it's like as a Bama alum, all the years of Bama fatigue. But then now that Bama's a little bit down by Bama standards. The same people that had always complained about Bama fatigue are begging for Bama to be back up there, you know, <laughs> and giving them the benefit of the doubt over everybody. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's I see a laziness and, and just you know, not not deep thought and and like just really breaking this down because as you know at the beginning, Dave, this is just so we can talk about it. They really right. they don't really even need to do this. These rankings are bogus anyway right now because Alabama's if they're as good as they're supposed to be and Georgia's as good, they're going to meet in the SEC championship game. And Alabama's right. got to get Terry, you know, through LSU. If Alabama loses LSU, it's pretty much over. If they beat right. LSU, it'll feed the flame. They'll rank them even higher. You know, so and then as we know, Ohio State obviously is going to play Michigan's. You know, so it's like. I always crack up at it, you know, but it does what they, they achieve the purpose. They create a little drama. We talk about it. People watch ESPN to see what these rankings are. And and then it just floods social media. So, I, again, I, I try not to get too worked up over it because I find it more laughable than, than anything else. Where were you last? Yeah. I was all fired up about it. Should have called me. Calm me down. <laughs> yeah. I guess the one the, the one thing that's unfortunate, which sometimes tends to happen, is I, I really do think this Florida State team is is legit, but they're in a position now where if they don't run the table, they're probably getting left out. They're not going to get in as a one-loss team. Correct. And that could still happen to a Michigan, let's say, because let's say if Michigan and Ohio State survive the, until they face each other, and then one of them – yeah, loses, both are obviously. In. Yeah, both, if they're, they're going in that Ohio in. State Minnesota right. game, uh, assuming that the the winner of that doesn't right. lose the Big Ten championship, uh, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan are in. So it's two and, of the four. I, I, yeah, and I'd have more of an issue with it with Michigan in that sense because if their schedule has been really weak, I mean, they're, they're only they only would have one loss, one one quality win, let's say, to Penn State at that point, and then if they lose to Ohio State and still sneak in as the four. You know, you're kind of an FSU is a one loss team that maybe just drops the ACC title game, let's say, or one fluky, probably the ACC title loss, I would say, would be the one that is more excusable. I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I feel you, like that, you see that's how the it's shaping up, part. guys. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan go in undefeated. Both of them are in the, in the final four. If Alabama runs the table and Georgia's undefeated and Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC, t- you know, uh, championship game guess who the final four are 
Right. It's exactly. Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan is going to the Big Ten against the SEC, which, well, um, yeah. and that's regardless of Texas's head to head over Alabama because yeah, they, well, will, if, they will reward Alabama for beating, you know, Georgia. But what if um, at that point, what if those two things that you just said happen, but, you're, but you have a 12 and 0, or not 12 and 0, 13 and 0 FSU ACC champion? They have to, at that point, I think they have to get in. Oh, I mean, man. But then, then you're bouncing a one loss team that would have lost, you could bounce Georgia. That would be hilarious. <laughs> right, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, yeah. Let's cheer for the chaos, right, Dave? Well, <laughs> it's, it makes it's a good conversation. Right. It's not our problem. Let them figure it out. <laughs> We're getting, we're, yeah. we're getting late, think, you know, yeah. getting late on time, guys. But before we go, I'd like to get Dre. What's your kind of thoughts on NIL? And we'll we'll wrap it up after this. You know, yeah. I mean, and in the big picture, just how it's changed everything. And I mean, I'd say overall, I don't necessarily have an issue with it on the grand scheme. But I do regret that it's created such a free agency, such a such a hopping back and forth free agency in college football. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying nobody should have the right to transfer and nobody should transfer all the time, but this thing now where it's almost just like what we've seen at the high school level where guys are playing pretty soon, guys are going to be playing for three, who knows, maybe even four colleges during their career because they're just going to keep hopping around to where the money is. That's the part I just don't like. I think it's taken away from you like seeing a team that can just build up and be good and have their stars for a couple, or at least a couple of years, three years, whatever. That's the part that I think that that ripple effect that I don't like that it's had on on that side of it. Dave, yeah, it's just it's it's they're buying players. If if you're not willing to pony up now, I think the Minnesota football coach said it that there's going to be a, a there's going to be tears. There's going to be major league football and minor league football. At the the at the power five level, even so, yeah. it's made it tough. It's there, you know, you, you know who you Caleb Williams said it, or he didn't say it. His representatives did, which now they've got representatives. If he doesn't get drafted by the right team, he's going to come back to college. He'll still make seven million dollars next year at college. Right. Yeah, I so, saw that. Yeah. I saw that a couple of years ago where I thought Bryce Young could do it at Alabama. When remember Saban kind of dropped that subtle hint like the first year of NILs and. Uh, he kind of said, well, I got a player making a million dollars, you know, and everyone knew it was Bryce. And uh, and I'm thinking, OK, Bryce Young, right, three, four years ago is making a million dollars. He could stay four years at Alabama and make four million. Now, obviously, we're, we're seeing what the money's going to. I think uh, Dion's kid, the quarterback's like making five million. Uh, you know, there's websites that have that. I think that his, he's like at five million right now as well. Uh, and I'm like, you could just hang hang for four years. You know, you, you know, if you want to do that. And and then, like you say, Dave, you could just pick your your. Hey, I don't want to go to this bad team. I'll go to that bad team the next year. Where it's helped is the the uh, you know. And, and there's going to be sports to get mad that I say this, but tough. At ninety eight percent of the schools in America, football is the only revenue generator in the athletic department. Some men's basketball programs are making money. There are no women's sports or minor other sports making money. They're all they're all drains on the the economics of the athletic department in terms of thinking of it as a business. When that came out, the first thing I said was to the women's sports, I said, you guys are going to kill it. Those were the coaches that were complaining about it. Like, this is crazy. They don't necessarily – they do have some money to sprinkle around, but those kids now are fair game. They can go out and get endorsement deals. They can be – you know, they can get money off their social media accounts. We saw it with the two Cavender twins. Fresno State basketball players all of a sudden go to Miami. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them's coming back. She's going to make her – 
her comeback. Why? Because she can make more money as a college athlete than she's probably making in WWF wrestling or whatever she's doing now. Yeah. Here we are. I thought they were going to be like the next Bella twins and, and do that. And all of a sudden now one of them wants to go back there. But I think too, seeing the NIL trickle down to the high school level too. I mean, it's not so rampant down here yet because you've seen it in other States, but I think you're seeing the effect subtly. You know, there, there are kids now, higher level kids that are going to start making business decisions too, as far as their play, like, it, not so much the where do I go to college, but not playing the big game, not wanting to risk themselves, you know, for their senior year, let's say, or stuff like that, where we've seen that sometimes in other sports like baseball. We've seen, you know, pitchers that, that don't want oh, to pitch know, a certain yeah. amount. And yeah, yeah well, I know, I know, I know the example. It, yeah, yeah <laughs> we've, we've seen that. But I think you're going to start to see that more and more as it seeps down even further into the high school level. And it's – Look, I'm not naive. Money drives everything and all that, but it's a shame in in a sense because you know the superpower effect has already happened by far down here. We've seen that already for like five, ten years or so, more than ever. I mean, there was always the elite level football teams down here in South Florida, but there was still talent. But now you've seen, especially public school programs, just completely decimated because everyone goes to the same five or six schools now because they want to get that. They want to get that. They want to get paid. They want to go to the big time colleges, and they feel that's they get where the it exposure is. too, Drake. Right? Exactly. Those are the ones right, right. Everyone, anyone who Shamanah Madonna plays, it, that's a rock concert. You know, right. They they exactly. reel out five, you know, two five star receivers and a four star quarterback yeah. and a four star running back, what, and what, and then yeah. they go with five stars in the in the wings. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to go go to that show. Yeah. The part the part I don't want to the part I, I it, it would suck to see more is the not so much that. But the kind of uh, to give a comparison, like the check yourself out of a bowl game or check yourself out of a a playoff semifinal in college because you're protecting yourself for the draft like that effect at the high school level where you don't want to play for your school and play in the biggest game or play that season because, oh, no, no, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the part that I hope it really doesn't become a rampant thing because of it. Yeah, we're going to we could keep going. This is fun conversation. Uh, Dre, we'll have you back, my friend. We really appreciate your time. Dave, uh, final thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, I just want to thank Dre. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. And, and thanks for participating in our verbal parkour. We, <laughs> uh, we throw a whole bunch of stuff at, at our guests on this one. Um, but uh, also to our audience, 55,000 plus, thanks for the support. Give Joe and Dre five stars. Dre, make sure you, you plug your podcast too so our listeners start jumping onto that as well. And uh, keep us flowing here. 74 countries tuning in. Five stars, great comments, so we can battle the podcast world analytics like they do in baseball. Make sure you support our newest our newest uh, partner, Blackout Coffee, capital D-A-V-I-D, all capital letters with the number 20 after it. We'll get you a 20% discount uh, on your next coffee order with them. Great coffee. I've got the five-pound espresso bag, Joe. I've been drinking it all day. That's why I'm so hopped up right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, again, thanks to Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor, Miami Herald. Check out his stuff. Dre, you're, uh, how people can reach you real fast before we sign out. Yeah, but, uh, tw- on Twitter at, uh, or on X. No, I should have called it, keep calling it Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore. Uh, Fernandez, Andre C. And then, of course, all our coverage at MiamiHerald.com. And uh, check out our on all beats while there. We'll, we'll be providing coverage of all our teams in South Florida and, and high school sports. 
Appreciate it again. Uh, again, Joe Forsaro here, man on second. We'll be back next week. I'm uh, I'm going to be at the fall league, so I'll have some some stuff coming from next week uh, coming out of Arizona. But with that, Joe Forsaro, man on second, and we are out of here. We got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the old beast milk and welfare. God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your body.